What's going on, everybody? This is Andrew Ball, co-host of Point to the Spot, a U.S.-based podcast focused on the world of football. Today, we will really be going around the world of football, going all the way to South Korea, where we have joining us live from Seoul, Mr. Ryan Walters. He is founder and FC Seoul columnist for K-League United, website dedicated to everything K-League in South Korean football. We're very excited to have Ryan on the air. Also joining us back from Europe, Mr. Jack Kelly. He's back in Racine, which is not like Europe. I think it's safe to say. But how are you doing, Jack? I'm good. Uh, Racine, the fresh home of Foxconn. So like maybe like a little bit like Europe. A bit like Asia. <laughs> and speaking of Asia, the aforementioned Mr. Ryan Walters coming to us from Seoul. Uh, a lot longer distance than most of our guests usually come in, but we're very happy to have him on the air. How are you doing, Ryan? Doing great. Uh, stopped raining. It's a lovely morning here. Yeah, for uh, for the listeners at home, it is uh, evening for us here in the United States. <laughs> Borderline nighttime, uh, and we were talking <laughs> to Ryan on Saturday morning in uh, mm. in South Korea. Um, Living in the future. <laughs> um, so, Ryan, of course, Andrew mentioned it. Um, you've been working on a project called K League United, a website mm-hmm. dedicated to you know everything K League. Uh, in South Korean football. Uh, Break it down for us. What do you guys do over there? Uh, And where can they find you? What's going on with that? Yeah, so I moved back to Korea about three years ago at this point, and uh, I lived in a town called Gwangyang, which when you look it up on Wikipedia, you won't find much other than a team called the Junum Dragons. Uh, And I knew I was going to be about a 10-minute walk from the Dragon Stadium, and uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we came on. Uh, I was following Hot Time in Old Town, the Chicago fire site, and really liked what they were doing and kind of wanted to do something similar because I was going to be so close to a stadium. So uh, started the site, and when looking it up, there were, there were a lot of people that have covered K-League and then left, and there was this big gap of like some really great work that just went to nothing after they left. Uh, so the idea that I had was to cover the Dragons and only the Dragons and try to find people throughout the country to cover their local team. And then we could all kind of pool together and create this site that would live on after people leave. Because a lot of people come to Korea for a few years, do a lot of really great work with passion projects, and then head out. And then that kind of disappears into the ether. So the idea behind it was to try to get as many people as possible covering as many teams as possible to just get comprehensive coverage of a league that just doesn't really market itself very well. Yeah, and you guys uh, have been quite successful, right? I, you know, I was, of course, peeking around the website. Uh, there's only a small handful of teams that you guys don't have regular contributors for. Is that right? Yeah, the, the military team. Yeah, we have a military team in Korea because uh, Army or... Yeah, it's an army team, and military service is compulsory. So one of the ways they get around that is there's a team called Sangju Sangmu, and they are all serving in the military currently, but they can play professional soccer. So uh, it's really it's kind of a cool setup, um, but we don't have many guys speaking English living in Sangju to cover that team. But yeah, we we've done all right over the past couple of years getting people in. Uh, at first, it was me and one guy living up here in Seoul, and uh, that was covering a lot of ground, but now it's it's a lot easier having, I think we have 15 guys on staff right now, 
so it's a lot easier covering the league and doing a lot more interesting things that way. No, that's awesome. Uh, and well, it, you know, let's dive into it. The K League, very interesting. There's a lot of quirky things about it. Uh, of course, I think the thing that jumps out most to me, at least when I first, you know, was, was digging around uh, and to, you know, people here in the United States who might be thinking about this going forward uh, is the structure of the league. It's broken down into mm-hmm. two divisions. It's the classic division, which is the top flight and the mm-hmm. challenge division, which is the second flight. Is that right? Yep. Uh, and then it's kind of like a controlled promotion relegation between those two leagues. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's only promotion relegation between the two right now. Uh, in the next, I, wanna, I think it's in the next two or three years, they're going to open up the pyramid to the next three or four levels. Uh, there's a third division league called K3 that's doing pretty well right now. Uh, and they're going to open that up. But for right now, it's just between the two leagues. So what happens... In Classic, in the first division, they all play each other three times, and then the league splits. So it's like the Scottish Premier League, where the bottom six go into what's called the relegation round, and the 12th place team, the bottom, automatically gets relegated. And then the 11th place team, and this is where it gets really fun, the 11th place team faces the winner of the challenge playoffs. So the second division, first place team, top of the table, automatically gets promoted then second, third, and fourth go into this kind of convoluted bracket where they face off against each other, and then the winner of that playoff faces the 11th place team for a spot in the first division next season, and it's it's pretty fun. Yeah, it seems like a it seems like the ultimate promotion rele- way to do promotion relegation in that playoff sense. I think it's I think it's really yeah. fun. There's a lot of leagues, you know, some leagues with uh, throughout Europe will do that. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. it, it creates a really interesting dynamic I bet for those playoff matches. Well, I like it because it keeps it keeps all most of the teams interested. You know, there are mid-table teams like my beloved Jundam Dragons that are always going to finish 7th or 8th. They're never going to challenge for the title. They're never close to relegation, but those teams that are in ninth, 10th, 11th place, they're fighting for survival in the last four or five weeks of the season. And, it, and it's really fun to watch. Last year, we had a team, Incheon United, they were in 11th. They were set for that relegation playoff and just looking terrible. And then they went on a seven-game unbeaten run, saved their season, ensured a spot this year. Fans stormed the field on the last day for winning 10th place. Like, it's, it, yeah, it was just really fun. <laughs> scenes, absolute scenes. Yeah. Uh, and I have one final question before I pass it on to Andrew for you. Yeah. Uh, recently, I, ha- I have been through the world, the world that is football Twitter, uh, have followed you and Kaylee United for a few months, and I don't remember how long ago it was, um, but you tweeted something about them starting to put grass on the stands where the fans are actually sitting. <laughs> you explain what is going on for us. Well, uh, you know, and we'll probably dive into this a little bit. Uh, K-League, okay, so K-League, a lot of the teams are owned by what are known as Chables. Chables are really large companies here in Korea. So like your Samsungs, your Daews, your Hyundais, things like that. They all own teams. And a lot of them aren't really sure how to market their teams. And Sangnam is actually, they're a city-owned team. uh, And they have a giant mechanical bird behind one of their stands that has smoke coming out of its eyes and comes up from behind the goal. <laughs> like it's, it's corny and cheesy and amazing all at the same time. Uh, and this same team, Sangnam FC, they, 
they just got relegated last year. They actually have the most domestic titles. They have seven titles and they got relegated last year. So it was a really big deal. So they're trying to get fan engagement going. And one of their ideas was to put grass down in the supporters stands, like AstroTurf grass in the supporters stands to make them feel closer to the field. <laughs> it, I, That's awesome. I mean, it's working in the way that I want to go back to Sangnam and catch a game and sit in the grass stands. So <laughs> it's working for me. Incredible. Incredible. Andrew, Andrew, what do you have? Steer us back on, get us back on yeah, course here. Rails. <laughs> um, I don't think I can top that, but so one thing that I think Jack's question kind of gets to, you talk about marketing not being very good, but how's the fan support? Um, culture like, well, cause I'm a big baseball fan, and I, from what I know about Korean baseball, like fan support is amazing, and the atmosphere of games is like off the wall, yeah, wild. Is it similar at, at football matches? Is it more like what we would see in Europe or the U.S. or some like hybrid of the two? I, I think fan culture here is kind of struggling for an identity because baseball is king here in Korea, and if you ever get a chance to come to Korea and go to a baseball game, I highly recommend it. it. It has ruined American baseball for me, like going to the game. MLB is still a really high quality that I enjoy watching, but as far as going to the game, it is loads of fun to go to baseball. It, like, in the States, we have intro music where players will pick the song they want to come out to. Here in Korea, half of the stadium stands up and the fans chant a song for that player. Like, there's no music. The fans sing it, and they've got thunder sticks, and there's confetti, and there are cheerleaders, and pizza everywhere, and, like, it's great. <laughs> and so K-League, uh, they're trying to mimic that. And, and the problem is, you know, I go to FC Seoul games here, and they have cheerleaders at football. And it's annoying and terrible because you'll be trying to watch the game and it's not like baseball. You don't have that break in between batters. You don't have that break in between innings. It's continuous. And then you've got some idiot that's got their back to the game. Try, go, go, FC Seoul. And like, that's not, cheerleaders don't do that. Supporters are supposed to do that. So it's this weird conundrum where they're trying to draw in fans using a formula from a different sport. Um, and not all teams are doing that, but some are. So it, it's... It is an underattended league, so I think teams are trying anything that they can, and they've seen the success of the KBO, the baseball league, and they're trying to mimic it and trying to get people in that way, and it, it doesn't really work because it's just such a drastically different game. Um, the supporters that do come are great, but they don't come in large enough numbers to fill up these massive stadiums because a lot of the teams are playing in World Cup stadiums from 2002, and, you know, even Seoul, who draws close to 20,000, which is, you know, respectable in most leagues around the world, they're playing in Seoul World Cup Stadium, which I think holds 45 or 50,000. And you just, you can't make a dent in that. So it's, it's a different atmosphere. But those that come try to fill it up. Out of curiosity, would you say the, the 2002 World Cup helped in promoting the domestic league or was that kind of more just the the international the national team and and the international game well two th two things on that like touching on the national team 
it's wild because the the U20 World Cup was just here and I went to a couple of games for Korea and these stadiums were full. They were full and people were going nuts. Full song, full voice the whole time. All sorts of fun. The national team always draws really well. But that doesn't really transition down to the domestic league. I think part of it is there was a really big bribery scandal in 2011 with almost every single team involved and Corruption is something that it touches on everything in Korea. It's in the politics. It's with a lot of the big companies. And people don't like it when that comes out to light. So K-League really suffered from that. Um, and they haven't really bounced back as much. Uh, but I think the World Cup, going back to your actual question, sorry. <laughs> the, the, the World Cup helped because it put a lot of players in the spotlight. I put a lot of Korean players in the spotlight that then people could go and watch locally. Um, I wish that they would move on from the stadiums in a lot of ways. You know, it, it's kind of in a spot where MLS was. You know, if, if you use the MLS iterations of MLS 1.0, 2.0, blah, 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 it's kind of in a spot where MLS was in like 2.0, like 10 years ago, where starting to get some interest there's some good talent but they're just playing in these stadiums that are too big you know like i'm picturing the kansas city wizards as they were at the time in arrowhead stadium and it's just it's too big of a stadium to fill it um and luckily they changed their name and got a more appropriate stadium so the cauldron is things awesome. are better for sporting what's that the cauldron is <laughs> awesome yeah or i really want to make it down there child's mercy sporting park whatever they're calling it these days <laughs> whatever it is now. Sporting Park is what it is. Well, just one last question. So mm. I, I knew very little about the K-League before researching your site after Jack was like, hey, we're going to have this K-League guy on. I was like, that sounds awesome. Don't know anything about it aside from seeing them on FIFA when I'm scrolling through the leagues. I'm a, I'm a Tottenham supporter in the EPL and we, of course, have a Sung Hyun Min. Mm -hmm. So I follow a little bit the national team because I'm like, hey, he's doing well. And also I'm hoping they win something soon so he gets out of military service. Um, yeah. But has the K-League grown, so kind of the interplay between the domestic league and the international team, does the K-League supply a lot of guys for the international team? Has its like growth helped at all with player development um, and potentially fueling domestic interest then in the, in the, in the K-League because it sounds like people are really into the national team? Yeah, people do. They, they love the national team. They love Sun. You, you see a lot of Tottenham jerseys around uh there are still a ton of park g sun kits the manchester kits running around um Ooh, that's, that's going back now wow oh yeah oh i mean he's he's still on billboards and everywhere i mean you know because he was one of the first guys to really break ground um i think the the, the thing that k-league does really well is they do develop talent really well uh, a lot of the players that we talk to here in the league foreign players they they're they're surprised when they come here with the physicality and the speed of Korean players because, you know, not not a lot of people know about K-League before they come over here. And I think the teams do a really good job of getting down into that youth level. So the, the elementary that I taught at when I was in Guangyang, uh, it was actually a feeder school to the Dragons program. So it was a private school owned by the company that owns the Dragons. And they start at the elementary level and they get kids in. And then the high school team was the u18 team for the dragons and they they do a really good job of the feeder system so they're developing that talent but it depends on who's in charge of the national team if that transitions over 
the last national team manager that just got fired recently. He's a German, and he had a much bigger preference for players based in Europe or based abroad. Uh, akin to what U.S. fans would be used to with Klinsmann, where <laughs> if if you're playing abroad, you must be better, you know. And and I think now there's a new manager, a Korean manager in charge of the national team, and it, it is kind of like Bruce Arena coming in, somebody that has had experience with the domestic league, and it's starting to look at K League a little bit more for that national team. So, I think over the next year, it'll be interesting to see which players that are that are scoring or that are playing well start making that jump up to the national team. And I think it will be more from K League now. Um, I'm sorry. I have like three follow-up questions on the worst. Uh, one, um, we've talked about like, you know, they do a good job of developing youth and the youth system goes a long ways down. What does like the league structure look like? You know, like a lot of leagues are like you have to have X percent of Americans or X percent of English or German or et cetera, et cetera on the rosters. Is there, is there a rule like that in play with the K league? And like, how does it, you know, interact having big name foreign players come into the league? Yeah, there are actually some really interesting roster rules. Uh, I'm glad you touched on that. There, there's the three plus one rule for foreigners. So what that is, is that you can have three foreigners from absolutely anywhere in the world. Uh, and a lot of times, and this is changing really just this year, but most of the time you would think that there was a rule that said you have to have a Brazilian forward because every single K-League <laughs> team, I, I swear, they just threw a dart at a map of Brazil and they were like, let's get a guy from that city. It, it, it was astounding. I mean, last year there was a guy transferred over uh, from a team that they reported as ABCFC. I don't think that team is real. <laughs> He's just a Brazilian guy. So they're like, oh, he'll score goals, bring him over. Um, but that's changing this year. Uh, they've gotten a lot more international. And actually, we just uh, we had uh, Niall McGinn come over from Aberdeen, uh, which was really surprising and we, we were getting a lot more attention in the UK than we were used to for that. So that was a big signing. Uh, FC Seoul this year brought in the league's first Iranian player. Uh, Khalid is going to play defense if the manager ever puts him in, but that's another story. Um, so they're getting more international. And then that's where those three slots come from. The plus one, and I really like this, uh, is an Asian player. So it can be a foreigner from any Asian country. So the AFC, the Asian Football Con uh, Confederation, put this in place to kind of encourage growth of the Asian game, to bring foreigners into the leagues that are from Asian countries. So with Australia technically being an Asian country for football purposes, what that usually means is a big, tall Australian defender coming in. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's starting to change a little bit. And... Um, the, the K-League All-Star game is actually playing Saturday night tonight in Vietnam. And what I'm hoping happens with that plus one rule is that we start to see more Southeast Asian talent or maybe some Japanese players coming over. Uh, so it, it's an interesting way to bring in foreigners, but to cap it, because the focus of K-League is to grow the domestic team. Uh, so much so that the other rule that they have is there can't be a foreign goalkeeper. So with 12 teams in the first division and 10 in the second, they want to keep all of those spots to try to get a national team goalkeeper, which we've written about a little bit on the site, the pros and cons of that. Personally, especially as an American, I, I want a bald bearded American goalkeeper in this league because that's just what we export. So I want that, but it, it's a good way to grow local talent. 
Makes it so like it is the vast majority. Besides those four roster spots, everybody on the team is is South Korean. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, that yeah, is, and I, I that think is a, it's a much harsher quota than a lot of other countries. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's not a huge league. Um, you know, Korea is not a giant country. It's a good sized country, but there are only twelve top flight teams, and I think they want to really keep that focus on the the domestic, the national team. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing them open it up a little bit more, but I, I do like that focus on the national team for a country this size. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and you kind of talked about it uh, in the reverse with other, you know, uh, players coming in from other Asian countries or the, you know, foreign players coming in from wherever it may be in the world. What is the, like, I don't want to say the offloading, but like that, you know, the reach, like the reach, like how often do uh, Korean players go and play abroad in other leagues around Asia or whether, you know, they stem off into places like your Europe or into, you know, North America? Yeah, there's been a lot of movement in recent years with the Chinese Super League coming up so much. Um, Even the Chinese Super League just put in a foreign roster cap, so that's going to be changing a little bit. But what would happen a lot was you'd have a player who was having a good domestic season here in Korea, and the Chinese clubs would just throw more money at them than anybody else in Korea could. Uh, This happened with uh, one of the Dragons foreigners, that the Jenim Dragons that I was following, a guy named Orsha, Croatian guy having just a lights-out season. And there was a club fighting relegation in China that just came and offered him about double his salary. So he got taken away. But more for, for Korean players, that's a nice way to get a payday, go abroad for a year or two, and then come back. Um, but there are also a lot of players going over to Europe. Uh, Kim Jin-soo is a player that was at Hoffenheim who just came back to the league this year, plays for Jumbuk. Uh, Lee Jae-sung is a player that plays for Jumbuk right now. He's a midfielder. He's about 23. He's always getting rumors about going to Europe, so I think he might make that jump. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's pretty similar to Americans going abroad. There aren't a ton in the top flight leagues, and when there is, people are really excited about it. No, that's, that's very cool. Uh, and then, sorry, I have one more before I give it back to Andrew. Um, you mentioned it, the Chinese Super League. Of course, the J League is on the up and up in Japan. Uh, mm-hmm. You're seeing the growth of domestic leagues in places like Thailand. Uh, yeah. What What is it like? Where does the K League fall in comparison to, I mean, I guess from a football sense, also like the A League in Australia? Not, not mm-hmm. very original names that we got going on over there in that federation. Um, yeah. But like, what is, where does the K League uh, fall in terms of competitiveness? And then like, how does it, where does it fall in comparison of like, you know, when you're trying to rank the top the top leagues in Asia or, you know, like, do they compete well in the AFC Champions League? Stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, if you're going on trophies, K-League's the best. Uh, there have been, I think, 35 or 36 iterations of the AFC Champions League. It's been different names over the years and went away and came back. Uh, Korea, by far, has the most titles. They have 11 Champions League titles. The closest is the J-League with five. So... If you're measuring it by that, I think K-League is far and above the best league in Asia. But I think that's going to change in in coming years because, well, there's a lot of money in China right now that's finally starting to trickle into youth development, which hopefully will help them grow the game a little bit because the players that I've talked to that have been over in China, to a T, all of them have said the reason that Chinese teams don't win 
Champions League more is because the eight Chinese players that are on the roster aren't going to be as good as the eight Korean players that are on a K-League roster. And so until China can get their national team development better, I don't think that league's going to hop up too much. Um, J-League, on the other hand, I think could. And J-League is being really smart with Southeast Asian talent right now. Like you said, the Thai League is starting to come up a lot. Uh, they're starting to put in really good performances in Champions League. So J-League has gotten smart, and they're starting to poach some of those really good players from the top clubs in Thailand. And K-League's been a little bit slow for that. So I think it'll be interesting to follow in the next five or ten years and see if there's more of a, a paradigm shift of where the power is. But right now I would say it has to be K-League because we have the most titles and just won it last year. Jumbo Hyundai took home the Champions League title last year. So it... It could be argued, and obviously I'm a little biased, but it could be argued that it is the strongest league in Asia. Do you think we're gonna f- we're gonna fall into a point eventually where, um, you know, it'll be like Asia's top five leagues, like we always refer to Europe's top five leagues. You know, you'll have like the five of them that are always poking each other's buttons and trying to win and chase down the European, or well, in this case, the Asian title. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I really hope so. I think there's a really big rivalry between Korea and Japan because of the history between these two nations um and the more and that carries over into football so the more that we can get like australia is really trying to do the a-league right they're trying to grow it and so if australia whose national team is doing well if they can get that into the league play and kind of come up into that fight and then southeast asia is starting to come up and thailand's starting to come into that so if we could get three or four or five leagues, like you're saying, and get some movement of players between those leagues, get some rivalries going, it'd be great. And I, and I think it, there's the potential for it to happen. Yeah. I think that would be awesome to see. I don't know. I'm, I'm always looking for more football to watch. That's part of why mm. I love the sport. So I would right. love to get to a point where we're also, I mean, it, it could be exported to where I don't know. Is it possible to watch K-League on some streaming service from the U.S.? Well, this is where... So, K-League is delightful and amazingly frustrating at the same time. Uh, So, a couple of our writers are based abroad. We've got a couple of guys in Canada. We've got someone in the U.K. uh, and someone down in New Zealand. And they really struggle to try to watch the games. The games... Domestically, there's a site called Naver, which is Korea's version of Google, and they stream all of the games. High quality, looks great. That's uh, awesome. But abroad, there's no paid service, there's no free service where you can get the games. It, it's not a league that really understands the, the global potential of people, people like yourselves that, you know, it could just be the... Saturday morning and you're like, oh, I just want to watch a game right now. And, you know, if it's a Friday night game or a Saturday night game here in Seoul or anywhere in Korea, you could watch that to start your morning. And people will do that, but the league doesn't make it easy. You have to go out of your way to want to watch it. And, and it's frustrating. I bet, yeah. yeah. Um, so kind of switching things that maybe America can learn from <laughs> Korea... Thinking about especially the league structure, I mean, Jack and I were talking, one of the reasons why we were so interested in K-League, aside from we love learning about different places and and how the game is growing and what it looks like there, is also the league structure and what it might mean for a closed kind of pro-rel system in the U.S. And if that's something that 
you would endorse that maybe as someone who, especially who is an MLS fan, would like mm-hmm. to see? Yeah, I mean, two things. First off, shout out to my recently top of the table Chicago Fire. Um, but as far as league structure goes, I think it is a great model that MLS could follow. Uh, so MLS is still growing, and I wouldn't be surprised if it gets to 30 teams. So when it gets there, I think K-League does have a good system. It's, it's closed promotion relegation right now. So it's classic and challenge, and it's been that way for a few seasons. And it's allowed them to kind of figure out how they want to do this, how they want things to work, and, and work out the kinks for a little while with just the top two flights. And these are teams that still see each other in the FA Cup. These are teams that still play each other somewhat frequently. So I think it's a good model that MLS could follow and have like an MLS 1 and an MLS 2 or however they, whatever they want to call it, where you, you still get that name recognition. Like it's still K-League. So it would still be MLS. And then it's frustrating for a few years where it's closed, but it's a way to start promotion relegation. And here in Korea, it's going to open up more of the table. And I think in the States, that would then open up to NASL, to USL, to uh, what is it? NP, NIPSL? Uh, NPSL. Thank you. Yeah. The, well, the, that, no, the, the new one, the NISA, sorry, NISA, the new one that they're trying to do third division where they're going to have promotion relegation eventually. Um, but I mean, there, there's so much passion for lower league football in the States right now. I really, really want to see promotion relegation put in place. And I, and I think most fans do. And I do think that K-League offers a good model of how to get that started. So hopefully MLS will replicate it out of curiosity because one thing often cited um and why america's not ready is the viability of the lower leagues yeah can you speak to what it's the the k-league challenge right is the second division can you speak to like how how popular that is in relation to the top flight how i mean clearly things are stable enough where they've made pro row work for a number of seasons now but is there like a significant drop off in popularity for the clubs in one versus the other and in revenue in one versus the other? Well, unfortunately there isn't a ton of revenue in either league. I think last (laughs) year, Seoul won the title last year and I think they took home $500,000 for their efforts. So it's right. And this is where, you know, going back to competing internationally, J league just had a TV sponsorship deal where they can now give their champions $14 million. So, and, and this is all in US dollars. So Korean players are gonna look at that and they're gonna wanna start moving abroad, but I digress. Um, I think there is, there is a drop off. And I think the we were talking about Sangnam and their grass stands earlier. This is a team that won seven domestic titles. They've won Champions League and they're in the second division this year and their fans took it pretty hard. Attendance is down this year. Uh, it's starting to come back up now because they're finally on a good swing, but the fan support does wane a little bit in the second division. But, you know, there are teams in the top flight that are averaging 5,000 people a game. So as far as attendances go, it's not a huge drop-off down to the second division just because, unfortunately, K-League isn't very well attended in person. Um, The level of play, though, I think is really similar. Uh, There have been a lot of teams in the FA Cup. Seoul was knocked out by a team in the second division. They were knocked out by Busan. 
uh, who's now in the second division trying to get promoted, and it, it hasn't been a huge gap in play between the first and second division. But the support, yeah, it wanes a little bit, but I don't think it's so much that the clubs are going to have to fold or anything like that. And I have one more question, then I'll throw it back to Jack. Um, so this is something we, we explored the Chinese Super League a little bit on the mm. air a long time ago, I think in the winter. I can't remember when. But um, they blurred together. Signings. And one of the things I, I, I did all the research, they just listened. Um, <laughs> but one thing that, that was interesting was kind of the, the sponsorship aspect where mm. teams are if I'm correct, owned essentially by major multinational mm-hmm. companies. Can yep. you speak to what that's like in Korea? Does that help kind of subsidize a little bit because of that revenue? Is it there? Is that kind of an awkward setup at all? Or is it just kind of par for the course in Asia? Well, it's all of those, actually. I, I think it's th- this is definitely a league, well, leagues, you know, if we're talking about first and second division, of the haves and the have-nots. Uh, so, for example, to stick with Sangnam, they're a city-owned team now, and they don't have the money to bring in signings like a team named the Suwon Samsung Blue Wings. I mean, the company name is right there in the team. Jumbuk Hyundai, Ulsan Hyundai. These are teams that have corporate money, and they bring in the best players. Uh, it, it's a very top-heavy league in that way. And, and there isn't the parity that there is in MLS where you can have a team like Colorado last year that went worst to first, a team like Chicago this year that went worst to first. DC United did it recently. You don't really have that potential here in Korea because of the corporate sponsorships. But corporate sponsorships seep into every aspect of Korean life. You know, if, if you're a company man, if you're a, if you're a Hyundai man, for example, then you can live in a Hyundai apartment your funeral can be a Hyundai funeral. Like it, it seeps into everything. Uh, Lotte is another big department store and they make chocolate. They have electronics, like it, it's everywhere. So the corporate sponsorship isn't strange in that sense. But I think one downside of it is there's a team in challenge in the second division here in Seoul that just formed three years ago. And their name is Seoul Eland. And it makes it really difficult for fans to get into that game because the other corporate sponsors, like Suwon, they're the Blue Wings. Jumbuk, Jumbuk Hyundai Motors, or just Jumbuk FC. Eland, nobody wants to chant that at a game. You know, nobody wants to be like, boat cruises, Eland, yay, yay. Like, they just, <laughs> it's made it really tough for them to get an identity. I think when corporate sponsorship takes over that much for a new team, especially it's, it hinders the potential for a fan base because people just, it's tough to get behind something like that. Whereas if it's a sponsorship, fine. We don't, you know, most of us will wear something on our chest for our team sponsor. That's fine. But when you're chanting a company's name at a game, it just feels wrong. It feels weird. So it's, it's had its pros and cons. Undoubtedly, I feel. I mean, I feel like we've seen that in some aspect of like you know Red Bull kind of taking over mm-hmm. teams. Yeah. Um, I've got two more questions, and then we'll get you out of here. These are more my own curiosity slash funny ones. Or, well, not really funny ones. First one: 
what is you know what is a ticket price like to go to a K League game? Is it very affordable? Is that something that helps drive fans, or is it kind of expensive to go to? Okay, so we've we've finally come to what I truly love about this league. The tickets are ridiculously affordable. So when I was in Guangyang, where the Jeonnam Dragons are, my season ticket, which got me into 18 league games, all FA Cup games, and it would have counted for Champions League if my precious Dragons could have ever made it there, was $60 for a season ticket. Uh, up here in Seoul, 60? a season... 60. Well, wow. actually it was 60. 60,000 won, which is like $52, something like that, for oh the season. God. Yeah, so up here in Seoul, the season ticket, which again would be 18 league games, Champions League, and FA Cup, is 120 bucks. And that's one of the expensive ones. The average ticket to go to a game is anywhere from $9 to $13. It, it's a very affordable league to go to. And on top of the ticket prices, what's even better, you can bring in your own food and beer. Yeah. You can walk up to the ticket gate. You can, you can carry a large pizza in hand, a six-pack in your other hand, and hand them your ticket with your mouth. I don't care. Come on in. You can have Incredible. a backpack full of snacks and just bring it in. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's, we're, we're it's going great. To right? <laughs> Point to the I, spot summit 2K18, Seoul. <laughs> right? Well, we got the Olympics coming up, you know. Come, come here for the Olympics and then stay for the K-League. Um, we are on our way. <laughs> but like, it, it is, and, and this is where it's frustrating that more people don't go because you can spend under $20 and have a great night out. You know, you can have, you can literally have a picnic with friends while watching live football. Like, it's, it's great. Um, so it, it is a really affordable league. It's really accessible. Some of the stadiums are far away. But uh, for those of us that are lucky enough to live near a stadium that's easy to get by, it's, it's really affordable and really easy to go to games. Wow, we are, we're missing out, Andrew. Really, I, though. <laughs> Korea will ruin you for other sports. Yeah, <laughs> it's tough to go back to the U.S. and walk through a metal detector and pay $9 for a beer. And I'm like, what do you mean I can't bring in this six-pack with me? And why are these tickets so much? <laughs> I love it. Um, and then my final question, uh, and we're going to ignore last weekend's results in MLS and pretend they didn't happen because it ruined my question. Uh, if we were to take, if we were to take the Chicago Fire and mm. hit them against a team like uh, Jean Book FC, uh, mm -hmm. how would how would the match go? I mean, I would, I would pay good money to see that. That would be a lot of fun. Um, I can tell you when I play it on FIFA against my friend that's a Jumbook fan, it goes really well for the fire. But that's because he <laughs> kind of sucks at FIFA. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think K League would hold its own. I think if you if you took the top four or five, the perennial top four or five teams, the Seoul, the Jumbook, the Ulsan, uh, the Suwans, and you put them in MLS, they would they would compete. They would do pretty well. Um, if for that specific matchup. Ooh, that would be a lot of fun because this year Jumbo has a really good defense and this year, as we all know, Chicago has a really great attack. So it'd be really fun, especially watching Kim Jin Soo face off against David Akam, two, two fast players that really know what to do on the ball. Um, I think the fire would pull out the result, but I'm a little biased because the fire are my first team and I want them to beat every team in the world. Um, 
but it, it would be a fun, entertaining match. I, I don't think there are many teams in MLS that could come over here and just wipe the floor with a K-League team. I think the, the quality is higher in the MLS, but I don't think they would walk away from it. I think they would win more often than not, but it wouldn't be a cakewalk. No, that's, uh, you know, that's very interesting. I just, I don't know. I love, it's such a hard thing to compare. It's apples to oranges mm-hmm. almost in a lot of ways. Um, well, sir, that is all that we have for you. Thank you very much uh, for coming on and joining the show. Where can they yeah. find you? And where can they find K-League United online and on yeah, social so, media, all that good stuff? So K-League United, we're all over the place. It's just at K-League United. So on Twitter, at K-League United, Facebook.com slash K-League United. YouTube won't give us a custom URL yet, so we're on there. But if you just go to kleagueunited.com, you can find us all over there. Personally, I'm on Twitter at Mr. Ryan Walters. That's M-R Ryan Walters, because why not demand that people call you Mr. on the internet, right? (laughs) I love it. Uh, And, of course, Andrew, where can they find you? Uh, At Andrew Ball, B-A-H-L. Uh, you, you guys can find me at actual Jack Kelly. I am actually Jack Kelly. Uh, actually, I'm John Kelly. I've been living alive for the last several uh, <laughs> several months of the show. And yes, I am the newly appointed White House Chief of, <laughs> Chief of Staff. That's right. No, 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 no. None of that. None of that. But Ryan, again, thank you for coming on the show. It was a blast. Uh, we really yeah. uh, are intrigued. Thanks, uh, and hopefully, you know, we'll have you back on next time. Uh, World Cup qualifying comes around or, you know, mm-hmm. we get a big AFC Champions League matchup. Who knows? Maybe we'll have you back on talk some more K-League. All we need is an MLS team to finally win CONCACAF Champions League, and then we'll <laughs> see each other in the Club World Cup where we know K-League and MLS are going to beat the European champion and meet in that final. <laughs> it would be brilliant. It would be absolutely brilliant. Um, well, guys, that is all the time that we have for today. Uh, thank you all very much. Or listening, uh, make sure you check out Point to the Spot on Twitter as well. You can find us at Point to the Spot with the number two. Uh, And that's all we have for now. Take care.